hearing and listening. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be active, moving. Jesus, help us to open our hearts. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Thank you for your encouragement, for your love for us. Pray that you would give us hearts to respond. In your name, amen. Well, this morning, we're going to be speaking, I'm going to be speaking, you can speak too later if you want, on prayer. Now, prayer is a humongous topic. There's absolutely no way that I could cover it in a short sermon this morning, but my prayer is that the Lord would use this overview um, to shake something loose in our spirits and to call us to a deeper level of prayer and intimacy with the Lord than we have ever had before. You guys up for that? Awesome. So prayer is an absolutely integral part of the Christian faith. In Acts 2.42, this is what it says about the brand new church. So in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came. Jesus had gone back to his Father, and the Holy Spirit came in fire on the people there waiting, the disciples waiting. And this was the result of the Holy Spirit um, falling on his people. This is what his presence brought. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. These are things that they absolutely devoted themselves to. In the next verse, it talks about how... The rich sold their land to feed the poor. There was no poor among them. And as we're talking about living justice this year, that's what we're called to do. But that starts with this, devotion to what the Lord has for us and devotion to prayer. Now, we can have, even as believers, sometimes strange and weird ideas about what prayer is and how we should do it, right? Stuff can creep in. So what is prayer not? What prayer is not, firstly, is thoughts, prayers, or vibes. Now, what do I mean by that? If you are on Facebook at all, (laughs) when stuff happens, someone says, oh, this happened, there's a crisis, or news, or whatever comes up, you'll see this inevitably. People say, oh, I'm sending thoughts your way. I mean, (laughs) thanks. (laughs) I don't know what your thoughts are doing for me, but people say, oh, I'm sending good vibes, you know. Again, I I don't know what that means. Number one, I think people are saying, I'm going to send good energy your way, try and fix it that way. Um, But, you know, that, that doesn't really make any effect, right? And even people say, I'm sending prayers to you. Well, prayers are not meant to be directed to people, right? So we say that sometimes, I'm sending you prayers, you know, I'm sending prayer to someone who can do nothing about it, (laughs) right? So that is not what it is. Sometimes we think, we'll just send these things out into the universe and just, well, you know, maybe we'll get some sort of good response. That is what prayer is not. It's also not just concern. See, prayer is not something that's passive, we can say to someone, oh, I'll, I'll pray for you. That, that, I'm 
I'm worried for you about that, or yeah, that, that speaks to me, I'll pray for you. Well, the question is then, do we really pray? Do we go to the throne for people or for situations? Or are we really just saying, oh, I, I'm sorry, that's a hard situation? I mean, I've been guilty of that. Anybody else? Yeah, you know, we say, oh, oh, I'll pray about that. And then we just, you know, forget about it. Prayer is not meant to be passive. Prayer is also not selfish. James 4.3 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Um, King James, I believe, says that you're praying amiss, right? So that means that you're praying for, you're going for a target of prayer, you're going for the Lord's heart, maybe, but when you're praying selfishly for your own gain or for what you think is right, you're praying amiss. You've missed the target. So we need to be careful when we pray. When we come to the Lord, we need to be very careful to not be praying for our own motives, Prayer is not selfish. Now, is it wrong to pray for ourselves or our situations? Absolutely not. The Lord invites us to do that. It's his heart to meet us in prayer. But we have to check our hearts often when we come to the Lord. So that's something we need to be careful about. Um, I, out of curiosity, typed into Google prayer. And if you've just typed something into Google, you'll see that a little drop-down comes down and it gives you suggested searches right, what other people are searching for of this topic or whatever. And number three on the list, I kid you not, was how to make prayer come true. (laughs) This is something people are searching for. How do I make it work? I want to pray, but I want to have some control over it. I don't want to pray and just nothing happens. (laughs) I want to pray and I, how do I make it happen? We can be guilty of that thought process too. How do, I, how do I make God do what I want? <laughs> so those things are not what biblical prayer is. So then what is prayer? Pastor Jim's not here today, but all of these are going to start with P. So, you know, he'd be very proud. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible, terrible. So prayer is personal. So what does that mean? It's the opposite of just sending vibes into the universe or sending uh, something out there to, to, you know, energy, to no one, to nowhere. It's personal because it's actually a conversation with someone. Our prayers are directed to someone. And so we're actually speaking to a person. Well, God. (laughs) God, the creator of heaven and earth. God, the one who formed us in our mother's wombs. Almighty God. So when we pray, we're praying to someone. It's directed to him. Sometimes we can say, well, I hope someone's listening out there. He's listening. We're going to be hopping around scripture a bit today, so if you want to take out your Bible, 
Now, you might ask yourself, how can we approach Almighty God? Where, uh, one of my kids said this week, we're like germs in God's eyes. I, I think that's actually pretty generous <laughs> to us, right? Because uh, God is infinitely big, infinitely powerful. So who are we to approach him? Hebrews 4, 13 through 16 gives us really good news about this. Here's what it says. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So our question is, how can we approach God's throne? It's through Jesus and it's through his sacrifice. He made the way. We can walk into God's throne room with confidence and say, hey, Dad, that's outrageous. (laughs) It really is that we can come to God Almighty, approach him comfortably to go with confidence into his presence. That's something that no one else has except in Jesus Christ. Everyone else must bow low before their God. Now, we bow our hearts in respect. I'm not saying that we just go flippantly into the presence of God. But we are given confidence to walk into his presence and say, here I am, Lord, let's talk. It leads us into our Father's presence. And it's about having the right heart posture. Now, this is a challenge sometimes because we forget things. The challenge is that we forget who he is. To make our prayers personal to him, we have to remember who he is. He's our father. He's our creator. And God is love. So when we go into his presence... Let's remember who he is. Another thing that prayer is, is private. It's about the relationship between us and the Father. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. We'll turn there. Familiar scripture. So this is Jesus speaking, and these are the verses that directly precede the Our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Very familiar. So this is what he says to his disciples right before then in verse 5. When you pray, 
Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. So they're praying to the Father, but their reward is just that other people think they're great. Terrible. Terrible, terrible. You're praying to the Father, but all you're getting is that other people think you're wonderful and spiritual and great? That's not the purpose of prayer. It's not about showing off. We're not praying to make anyone else think that we're wonderful. See, praying in private is about having the right heart posture. Um, There's a verse that I forgot to write down, apparently, um, that talks about going into your house, closing the door, and praying. Now, why would the Lord ask us to do that? Because we have a real tendency toward distraction (laughs) and a lack of focus. You know, if I ever, I'm not sure where my children are, the only thing I have to do is get on the phone suddenly they appear (laughs) and they need my attention. It's like magic. Soon as I get focused on something else, here they come running. Oh, mom, I need this, or can I do this, or, you know. So it's constant, like, shh, I'm on the phone, I'm on the phone. And that's how it can be when we go to prayer. We go to prayer, we set time aside, we get on the phone with the Lord, and here come all the distractions. Thoughts about what needs to happen, frustration with your situation, you're rehashing something at work, whatever it is, there are so many things that come immediately to distract us when we try to focus on prayer. You experience that ever? So private prayer is meant to be about focusing on the Lord in the right posture and connecting with our Father. Prayer is also public, so it's private and it's public. If we keep it only private, it only does us any good. Now, we can pray for other people and the Lord will work on their behalf, but if we keep it just to ourselves, we're sort of hogging. You know, a prayer, private prayer is a conversation between us and the Father, and I sort of look at it as group prayer, as a group getting around for coffee, and we're all talking with the Father and with one another. So it's a group conversation versus just a one-on-one. Jesus modeled public prayer. John 6, John 17, even on the cross, he prayed to his Father, forgive them, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. So it's about relationship with God in the community, and it's about inviting God into our real world. 1 Timothy 2.8, Paul is exhorting, make prayer public. And he tells them, pray everywhere. Another version says, pray in all places. You can go ahead and read that, actually. Timothy 2.8, 1 Timothy 2.8. He's giving instructions for the church how we're supposed to be living. And here's what he says. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer 
without anger or disputing. Now he's saying everywhere, as in all the believers and all the church, but he's also saying in all the places. It means wherever you go, pray. Now sometimes we, we go out to eat or something and then, you know, we'll pray and, and it's like, okay, let's just pray quick before the waiter gets back because it's a little weird, you know. And I think we're weirdos, so thank you, Father. Okay, amen, you know. Except that doesn't work when Nora's at the table because when Nora prays, she goes, okay, we're going to do this prayer, Mom. Okay, honey, what prayer? Oh, the Lord is good to me. And so I thank the Lord just as loud as you please, for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the apple seed, the Lord is good to me, right? And so here's Nora, and we're just like, the Lord is good to me, right? So we face sometimes the challenge of shame or embarrassment. One time, um, we, I went to a Walmart late at night, grocery shopping, and um, I was in the checkout lane, and there was this woman who was checking me out, older lady, I just kind of got chatting with her, uh, and she said, I said, well, how are you doing tonight? She said, you know, not, not very well. My granddaughter's really sick. And immediately I felt the Holy Spirit say, pray for her. And I looked back in the line hoping that there were people behind me <laughs> so I could be like, I don't know, people are waiting, Lord. I think I just better move along. There's nobody there. So we just continue with our conversation, and the whole time the Holy Spirit's going, pray with her, pray with her, pray with her. And you know what? I did not obey. I walked away. I checked out, okay, have a good night, you know, left. On the way home, I called Ben, and I said, Ben, I just feel the Holy Spirit was like, just, you know, Hannah, Hannah, Hannah. And I, I called Ben, and I said, honey, you know, this just happened. I feel like I was supposed to pray for her and pray with her. And I just, I can't believe I wasn't obedient. I feel terrible. And to his great credit, he said, turn around right now. Go back and find her and pray with her. Well, here's what happened. I turned around, got back to Walmart, looked around every which way, trying to find her. Her shift had ended and she had left. I missed an opportunity, and it's still, now I don't live in guilt because the Holy Spirit's in me and he's not about guilt, right? But still to this day, I remember that and I think, I missed it. I missed it. What would the Holy Spirit have done if I had been obedient? Guys, we can't afford to ignore the Holy Spirit when he asks us to pray in public. He wants us to do what he's asking us to do without shame. There's a little bit of a warning about this too in Luke 9.26. This is Jesus speaking. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him. When he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels, I tell you the truth, some are who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. <sighs> that was Jesus that said that? Absolutely. Those are Jesus' words. 
if you're ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you. That's heavy. I'm not meaning to bring the hammer, (laughs) but it's what the Lord said, and we need to heed his words and heed his spirit when he asks us to pray. Prayer is also persistent. If any of you have ever had a three-year-old, you know about persistence. It's about not giving up. Luke 18, you guys can turn here, it's a few verses. Luke 18, 1 through 8, this is a parable that Jesus told. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. I don't know how this guy got to be a judge, but... You know, he didn't care about people. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Now, I kind of have this picture of the guy sitting at the bench, right? And every day the same widow's coming and he's like, oh, this lady again. Look, I told you, I'm not going to deal with your case. It's dismissed. Get out. Wednesday, she comes back. Give me justice. Just get out. Thursday. Give me justice. Oh my goodness, just get out. Friday, give me justice. And he's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, fine. I'll give you justice. Just get out of my face, right? And he says, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now to me, looking at this scripture, we're talking about prayer, we're talking about persistence, and then in my mind, will he find faith in the earth kind of took like a left turn. Like, what? okay, well, he's talking about prayer, he's talking about persistence, but is that really faith? Absolutely. When we keep coming to the judge and we say, come on, come on, every time we persist in prayer, it is faith that he will do what he said he will do, and he will do it in the right time. Now, I always thought about this as like, oh, um, you know, God's comparing himself to this unjust judge. Well, that's sort of weird. Like, that's not really God's heart, right? In Matthew 7, this is what he says about himself, though. He says, if one of you asks for bread, will I give him a stone? If one of you asks for fish, will I give him a snake? We already know God's heart toward us. He's not an unjust judge. See, prayer, persistent prayer, is not so much about moving the heart of God toward us as about moving the hand of God. We know his heart for us, and we're begging that he would move on our behalf or on the behalf of our sister or brother or the world or whoever. We know his heart, and we pray according to his will, and we're asking him to move. That's what persistence is about. Thessalonians 5, 16, 8 through 18 talks about praying unceasingly. Pray always without ceasing. Here's what it says. 
Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So God's will is that we would pray always, all the time, just coming, going, always, always. Okay, so I don't know about you, but I can multitask to a certain level, but I can't quite keep the constant prayer thing going as I'm just doing life. So I find myself remembering like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, I'm supposed to pray. Okay, back to this other thing. So how do we do this? Because we're finite in our minds, right? So prayer is kind of like taking a walk with Jesus. When you're taking a walk with someone you love, you're walking around Como Lake, it's a beautiful day, you're just walking along. Now, there's communion with one another, and you're communicating with one another as you're walking along. doesn't mean you're speaking the whole time, but when you have something to say, you go, you know what happened yesterday? Da-da-da-da-da. And that's kind of what continual prayer is like. We walk in constant communion with the Spirit, always aware of his presence. And every once in a while, we talk. That's continual prayer, I think. Um, there was once a uh, certain little boy, one of mine, and uh, he was sitting on the couch, and I was doing chores around the house, and I, I was just, you know, trying to get a lot, a lot of work done. And I said, okay, you need to come and do this now. I was calling him to come do a chore with me and help me. And he went, I'm stuck. And I kind of looked at him, and you don't seem to be stuck. I'm stuck. He's rolling around on the couch. You're not stuck. Come do some work. Come on. I'm so stuck. Honey, what do you mean you're stuck? I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck in my lazy. So our challenge is that sometimes we get stuck in our lazy. The Lord's calling us to persistent prayer. We may or may not see a result right away. And so eventually we kind of go, Uh, You know, maybe today I won't ask about that again. We get stuck. We kind of go, I'm not going to pursue that discipline right now of prayer. Another thing that prayer is, is powerful. See, it actually does something. James 5 13 through 16, familiar verse. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. See, it actually accomplishes something. Uh, I used to be on a traveling ministry group. And uh, one of our members, our youth pastor at the time, invited this kid from youth group who was like so not feeling the God thing. 
he was like, mm, you know, I'm just, not, I'm like way too cool for that. So I'll go and like, I'll kind of stand and pretend to worship and, you know, whatever. And I always kind of went like, why, why did we invite Kenan? You know, he's bringing the whole thing down. He's not really walking with the Lord. His life was kind of a mess. And, you know, it, it, you know, just, but the, our youth pastor believed that there was something there for Kenan. We were ministering in a church one night, and uh, before the service started, the pastor there who had a prophetic gifting said, can I pray for you guys? I want to pray for each of you before you do your, your service. So we said, sure, you know, and he didn't know us from Adam. He just knew that we'd come to do some skits and stuff. So he's praying over each of us, and he got to Kenan, and he goes, you know, he was in prayer, and he just kind of stopped and looked at him, and he goes, you think you're running, but you're not going anywhere. You know why? And Kenan's like, I mean, why, you know? And he looked at him, and he goes, because you have a praying mama, and the Holy Spirit hit him so hard. <laughs> the Holy Spirit let him know in that moment, you have a praying mama, you're not running far. She's interceding on your behalf. And this lady was this little lady <laughs> who was like shy and kind of small, not very imposing, but her prayers were moving on his behalf. And from that day on, Kenan was on fire for Jesus. That evening, he prayed with me for a woman who had a, a knee problem, who hadn't walked in a long time, and she was running circles around the church when we were done praying for her. And you know what? It's because he had a praying mama. She didn't give up. For years, he wasn't following the Lord. For years, he was just like, nah, I don't care, you know. And in that moment, God said, I'm going to honor her prayers by powerfully moving Another example of uh, a time where I, I felt so clearly the impact, the absolute change that was happening in the spirit because of prayer was actually when a friend and I were here in Minnesota visiting Ben before we were married. And, um, you know, we were just kind of hanging out, whatever. And my friend was a believer, but she didn't really believe that the Holy Spirit speaks today. And to my great surprise, she came up to me and she said, I don't know what this feeling is, but you have got to call Mary. Mary was a friend of ours. You've got to call her right now. I just, I don't know what is going on, but you've got to call her right now. She didn't believe in the Holy Spirit, but he didn't care. He was just doing his thing anyway. <laughs> so she came up to me. She said, you got to call right now. So I called her. And as soon as she picked up, she didn't even say hello, just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. What's going on? Mary, what's happening? What's happening? I just took a bottle of sleeping pills. Okay, that's bad. She was back in New York. And I said, okay, here's what you're going to do. I talked her through purging her stomach. And I said, you need to call, you know, 911, get somebody there, make sure you're safe. And just as that was happening, um, her father pulled into the driveway and she said, can you talk to him? I can't talk to him. I can't talk to him. And so I got him on the phone and I said, you know, this is what happened. Da, da, da. He took her in, got her some help. Crisis more or less averted. I say more or less because there was clearly a war going on over her life. And when I hung up that phone, the Holy Spirit said to me, go to war. Go to war now. There's an active battle 
not some battle out there, you know, or battles against spiritual forces, whatever. Now, now, there's a destiny that is being stolen. Right now, go to war. So I paced half the night. My poor mother-in-law probably heard me all night pacing over her bedroom. (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. Father, in Jesus' name, this destiny is not going to be stolen. Her life is safe in Christ. You have hidden her with Christ in God, speaking scripture over her life. And I knew in that moment, more than ever before, this is something that's happening now, and I am changing it by my prayer because I knew that it was active and real and true, and he was doing it now. He was doing it right now. She's now a worship leader in her church. She loves Jesus with all her heart. She has a family. And you know, it's nothing to do with me at all. But I know that I know that had I not been obedient in that moment to pray, history would have changed in her life. There are those moments where we know that we know that what we've done has made a difference. Anybody experience that? So here's the challenge that comes with that. See, in those moments, the veil between the physical and the spiritual feels so thin. And we can see what's happening. We can sense what's happening in the spirit, and we can respond to that. But the challenge for us is that we don't always feel it. We don't always go, yes, Jesus, you're here, and I'm going to, you know, that's not always the case. But here's the truth. Prayer is always doing what it's supposed to be doing. In our quiet, in our bored, in our not feeling it, there is no difference to God's response to our prayers between when we feel it or know it and when we don't. He's faithful to respond to our prayers. Now, we don't always feel it. And the truth is that prayer is a challenge. Anybody? (laughs) Staying faithful in prayer is a real challenge. Because we're so distractible. We're so discourageable. You know, all those things. I, uh, I wrote in my journal one year. Actually, well, it was Facebook. Let's just be honest. I wrote a Facebook status some years ago. And Facebook sometimes pulls up memories from years past that you can see things you've written, pictures you've posted in the past, whatever. And this week as I was preparing for this, here's what came up. This was my profound thought for Facebook, okay? (laughs) Why did you give me this desire to fight and then make me such a stinky warrior? Sometimes when we hear sermons on prayer, or are encouraged in prayer, we can think, oh man, I've failed so badly at that. You know, I I haven't been faithful. And it feels like this heavy, heavy thing, right? Pray, you know, pray. Am I speaking? Okay, I'm just preaching myself. That's fine. Um, It can lead to guilt. And this sermon I called prayer, just do it. And that can feel like, listen, just do it. Just do it, suck it up, get over it. But just do it 
Prayer is actually a living invitation and a privilege to come before the king, say, here I am, here are my requests, here is my heart, here, Papa. See, it's a gift. Acts 2 people knew that. Before the Spirit came, they didn't have that kind of direct access to the Lord's presence. They knew the difference. Acts 2 church went, hey, we can talk to him. Let's do that. That's my desire for the church. Prayer is about an obedient life. It's about life, joy, encouragement, change, partnership with God, all of those beautiful things. So we are free to just do it. Now, you might not know how to pray. There are times where I don't know how to pray. Well, how do I tackle this thing? How do I come at this problem? Or, or what would God have me pray for this? Or, you know, whatever. Romans 8, 24 through 26 says this. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? If I give a bouncy ball to my Wesley, he's not going to sit and go, I wish I had a bouncy ball. You know what I'd really love is a bouncy ball. He's got it in his hand. (laughs) So a hope that we can see is really no hope at all. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, hear this, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. There are times, brothers, sisters, where we come to prayer. There's a situation that's so heavy, that's so unbelievable, that's so uh, impenetrable, unapproachable, whatever it is, so big, that we go, I... I don't even know how to pray for this. Can God really change this? I don't know how to approach this. And all we can say is, oh, God. But the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And he intercedes for us in our groans. Prayer doesn't come out of a place of anxiety. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That night that I was praying for Mary, there came a point as I was praying in the Spirit that I knew something had shifted. Something had changed. And I was able, the Spirit released me to go, okay, I can sleep now. See, it's not about anxiety. It's about trust. It's about trusting the one we're coming to. And he gives us this peace because he's got it. I don't fully understand everything that involves partnership with God in prayer. There's so many books. Go read them. (laughs) But I do know that he invites us to participate in his kingdom work through prayer. And it's to be something that is absolutely crucial in our Christian walk. So prayer, just do it. It's available. It's life-giving. It's great. It changes things. So just do it. It's not about pulling up your bootstraps. It's about walking into the gift of power that the Spirit has given us through prayer and finding life, joy, peace in that. 
So we have a few minutes left here. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'd like us to kind of practice what we've just heard today. So we could get into groups of maybe, I don't know, five, six people. If we could do that quickly. We're just going to provide a little bit of time to pray together, to invite the Lord to come and to say, hey, here we are. Help us to grow in our prayer, wherever we are in our prayer walk. If we, you know, if we pray once a month because we remember that we got to pay our rent or, you know, whatever it is, he can grow us in our prayer life and our faith walk. Amen? So let's spend just a little bit of time together. Won't be long. It might be awkward, but you can get over it. Um, So we can pray together and stand with one another and trusting, trusting, trusting the Lord to carry our burdens, to do his work, and to move in us. Amen. Partnership. I pray that you would make us faithful children. Lord, grow us in this way. Make us faithful lovers of your presence. I pray that more than ever before, Father, you would grow us, and I pray that we would know that you are faithfully moving. Even if we don't feel it, even if we don't, whatever, Father. But I pray for assurance of your character in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, time to go. God bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen.